I want to uh, introduce a new message this morning. We're in a series called Jesus in Plain Sight. And today we're going to talk about how to tell if you really are a Christian. How to tell if you're really a follower of Christ. Now, just by way of uh, review, last week we were talking about judging and giving. Remember it says, Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. And then he says, give and it will be given to you. And so we were talking about ways that you can check yourself and see how you are doing in this area of giving. Uh, time, uh, there's giving such a thing as your time to help another person. You can help uh, give, obviously, with your money. Uh, where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. You give through your forgiveness and mercy. If you look right in the middle of that word forgiveness, there's the word give. You're giving mercy to somebody with your forgiveness. You're giving some, uh, something of value when you're sharing your wisdom and your expertise with somebody. When you're training somebody in a skill that you know and you're really good at and you want to help somebody else become equipped in it, you're giving of that expertise. So Jesus talks about the blessing of when you give, it will be given to you. He says, he says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. It always reminds me of Psalm 23 when David says, God, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And that's the way it is when we are willing to give to other people. So that was last week. Today, we're going to be talking about a new topic, which is called good fruit and bad fruit. And what kind of fruit are you? This is one way that you can really tell if you're a Christian or not. Now, before we get into the message, I invite you to pray with me to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. We're going to use the tools that you've given us here online, and we're going to worship together as your family of faith, Sebastopol Christian Church. Lord, thank you for all the people who may not even call us their church family yet, but they have joined us online. We pray a blessing on them as they explore what it means to follow you. When we see you in plain sight and we say, Jesus, who are you? Are, are you more than a good teacher? Are you more than a prophet? Are you really who you say you are, the Son of God and the Savior of the world? Help us to discover that in new ways today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, before we get I want to tell you a quick story. This was in 1984, so Lisa and I were about six years old. No, that's not true. We were young adults, and we had just come back from the long string bean South American country of Chile, where we had spent two months on a summer internship. And if you don't have any American food, and you only have Chilean food, when you come back after two months, you're looking forward to eating some good food. I remember saying to my brother and my friend, I said, man, I can't wait to dive into a Michelangelo's pizza right there in Fullerton, California, when we get back. Well, my mom had a party uh, during the first week that we were back, and we were over at my mom's house, and we were sharing the food, and then uh, my father-in-law, he had made a dessert, and it looked to me like a nice lemon pie, and it was really great. This is uh, in answer to the question, have you ever bitten into something thinking that you were eating one thing, and then you found out it was something else? 
I don't like you're, you're expecting sweet and all of a sudden what you get isn't, isn't quite that. So we're, we're having dessert and we hadn't had American desserts in a long time. So this, it looks like a lemon pie with the meringue and everything on it. And we're so excited to dive into this dessert. And Lisa, she decides that she's going to sample uh, a, a, a bite of it before the rest of us. So she gets her fork and she takes a bite and she puts a bite in her mouth and she does not taste lemon meringue pie at all. She tasted a margarita pie. My father-in-law had made a margarita pie and instead of the graham cracker crumbs, they were salty pretzel crumbs. And Lisa, the face, I wish I could, I wish I could capture the face, but she went from pure joy to pure horror. She went, what is this stuff? Sometimes you're expecting one thing and you get something else. So I want to ask you a question, and this is, of course, a metaphorical question. When Jesus is talking about fruit here, he's talking about the actions of your life, what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your hands and feet and what you do with your life. That is what Jesus refers to as fruit. So Jesus says these words. He says, no tree bears bad fruit. No, excuse me, no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. We were, we just, last night, Lisa and I, we had frozen yogurt uh, from Menchie's. We brought it home and then we had some neighbors who had given us some of their peaches from their tree. They were delicious. They looked like peaches and thank God they tasted like peaches, right? Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bush bushes. I've never tried to pick a fig from a thorn bush. I don't know about you. This is a first century uh, illustration talking that Jesus is saying here. Or grapes. They don't pick grapes from briars, right? So you have this idea of you pick the right tr fruit from the right tree, right? So Jesus begins by bringing up this issue of character here in verses 33 and, and, and excuse me, 43 to 45. So here's the, remember the question, how to tell if you really are a believer? How can you know the character of a person? Well, Jesus says you need to examine their life and check their fruit. A good tree bears good fruit, not bad, and vice versa. Every tree is known by the fruit it produces, right? So you can't have a bad tree bearing good fruit, etc., etc. So here's the question, why do some people that you think are good produce bad things? And why does it seem like some people that you may have misjudged produce good things out of their life, right? Jesus, when you jump over to Matthew's gospel, he talks about fruit and he talks about what comes out of your mouth being a very big evidence of the kind of fruit that you're producing. Jesus says a tree is known by its fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now we're going to talk about that because Whatever is in our hearts eventually comes out of our mouth. We can't help it. We can, you can try to fool some of the people some of the time. You can try to fool all the people some of the time, but you can never fool all the people all the time. Eventually, what is in your character will come out of your voice box and through your lips out of your mouth. For the mouth speaks, Jesus says, what the heart is full of. A good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in, in him, an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. 
And I might add to this, because now we've got to jump to the 21st century, it's not just what comes out of your mouth, it's what comes out of your fingertips as you are typing on the keyboard, perhaps making a comment, making an opinion, responding to somebody on the internet, via social media, whatever comes through those fingers on the keyboard, that is out of the overflow of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to be very careful of the words that we say. The church needs people who know God. The church needs people who walk with God in integrity in such a way that the roots of their relationship with God will be manifest by the fruit that comes out of their lives. Fruitfulness, fruitfulness in a good way is what the sign is of a real, genuine Christian. And it really, it, it all comes out, it all comes down to what comes out of your mouth. The mouth is a litmus test of what and who we are spiritually. If we evaluated the character and tone, think about this. Think about yesterday and say, what did I say yesterday? What came out of my mouth? What kind of words did I say? What kind of comments did I make? What kind of observations did I make about the world? What did I say to other people in my life, whether it was on the phone or whether it was in person or whether it was... Uh, via social media and the internet. What came out of my mouth? Because the mouth is a litmus test of who you are spiritually. If somebody evaluated the character and the tone of your daily speech yesterday or your speech this week, would it register um, like acid on litmus paper or would it register like the sweet presence of a person who is secure in the love of God? A person's fruit symbolizes their actions, right? Jesus says it, a tree is known by its fruit. So what is it that comes out of your mouth? People say, and, and I want to give some example here. People say your words. They say your words reveal the nature of your heart. Your words reveal the nature of your heart. Some people will say this, you know, in defense. They'll say, well, because I can imagine starting off this talk this morning, and some of you guys are getting defensive. Some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, hey, ho hold on, man. I, well, I know I said that, but I didn't really mean that. I know I lost my temper, but I didn't even really know what I was saying. I mean, I wasn't really serious when, I, when that came out of my mouth. Oh, really? Well, that person on the internet, they were just plain wrong. And I had to rebuke them. I, it was my duty to put them in their place. And you say, wow, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Really? How do you say or write what you say? What is the, it's not just the words that you say. You've seen, you've seen husbands and wives talking about this. In fact, we, Lisa and I, we just watched a Friends uh, episode, and Chandler and Joey were talking to each other, and Joey somehow had started taking these hormones inadvertently, and he started acting more like a female. And they started arguing back and forth, and Joey says, well, Chandler, you really hurt my feelings. So he started acting more female, and Chandler's like, what are you talking about? I just told you this. And, and Joey said, well, I know you told me that. It, it wasn't what you said. It was the way you said it, right? So it's not just the words themselves that come out. It is the tone in which we communicate. Your words reveal the nature of your heart, right? Now... Back to the question here, how do you tell if you are a fake Christian? 
You know, Jesus doesn't use the word fake Christian. Jesus uses a term that he calls false prophet, right? False prophet means somebody who says they're a believer, says they follow Christ, but a lot of times what comes out of their mouth or what comes out of their actions do not reflect the character of Christ. And so Jesus calls them false prophets. And he says there are ways that you can identify who is a fake Christian. I remember, and this was, wow, 15 years ago when my kids were teenagers, uh, there was a term that came out. I think it came from the skating culture. But it was a term called a poser, right? You guys know what a poser is? Right? A poser in skating terms would be somebody who walks around you know, with the van, tennis shoes, and they got the skateboard, and they're talking the talk, but they don't really know how to skate all that well. They can't do any tricks. They can't do anything. So they, call, they would call them a poser. It's a, po it's a person who acts in such a way to try to impress other people, but in reality, they're really not that way at all. And Jesus calls this kind of a person who claims to be a member of the kingdom of God, a follower of Christ, he calls them a false prophet. And he says this. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they look legit. They look like they're for real. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus is bringing this concept of fruit out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks by their fruit, you will recognize them, Jesus says. Now, what are some of the uh, signs of a fake Christian? What does a fake Christian kind of look like in a, in a good way? How do they try to position themselves? Well, first of all, a fake Christian will appear real, right? It says they come to you in sheep's clothing. They could be very well dressed. I've seen some of the worst whether it's a televangelist or somebody who claims to be speaking for Jesus, they usually are some of the best-dressed people in the world. Some of the biggest false prophets in the 1980s, and if they were women, they, they were the ones you could identify because they had the biggest hair. <laughs> uh, or they, were the mo they had the most expensive, well-dressed uh, suit that you could possibly buy. And they're walking around the stage, and they're looking like they're successful, and they, uh, a lot of times, some of them were for real and some of them were wolves in sheep's clothing. But they appear real. They sound good at times. They can quote the Bible. They can say praise the Lord, hallelujah with everybody else. They can talk about moral values. I remember one time Jimmy Swaggart, right before he was caught in sexual sin, many of the sermons that he was preached preaching on in the uh, late 80s, right before he was caught, were on the subject of sexual immorality. He was speaking against the very thing that was damaging his own soul, that, would, that he was struggling with in his own addiction. So they sound good at times, they quote the Bible, they talk about moral values, they even look good, they dress nice, but here's the deal, they reveal themselves over time. They reveal themselves over time. You realize that a fake Christian cannot manifest the fruit of the Spirit all the time. A fake Christian cannot practice humility all the time. A fake Christian cannot um, practice love and forgiveness all the time. When Jesus says, love, you, you said you've, you've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you have to have the Spirit of Christ in you to, in order to be doing that. I forgive you as the Lord forgives me. That is a supernatural act that is not normally humanly possible. 
right? You can't do that. So a person who's a false prophet or a fake Christian or a poser, they will reveal themselves over time. Jesus says it by their fruit, by their actions, you recognize them. In other words, um, here's another thing for the, the people that are big in media and big on, you know, you only know them from the TV camera. You only know them from their media and their, uh, what they put out there publicly. One of the questions is, by their fruit you'll recognize them. How do they act when they're away from the camera? How do they act when the spotlight's not on them and they don't have a pre-scripted talk on what to say? What is the thing that comes out of their mouth? By their fruit, Jesus says, you will recognize them. So what are some of the actions now? What actions reveal a fake Christian, right? One of the actions is lack of love, just lack of love. Jesus says this. If you can read this, your eyes, I'm going to say, I'm going to compare you to Ted Williams because apparently he had one of the best eyesights of any Major League Baseball player ever. They said he could see a, the, the curve and the spin of the ball before anybody else. That's one reason why he batted 400 one year in 1941 in the major leagues. Um, but if you can read that, you're up there with Ted. Uh, it says, lack of love, and it says, by all this, this is Jesus' words, he says, by all, by all this, all people will be able to tell if you're really my disciples, and then Jesus says, if you love one another. So if somebody's got a judgmental attitude, a lack of love, a disdain, for other people instead of a love for them. That's one sign of a fake Christian. Another sign is this, lack of piety. Jesus is telling this church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. You know, I challenge you, the, the book of Revelation is an amazing book. It talks about the end times. It talks about what's going to happen at the end of world history. If you've never read it before, it's fascinating. But in the first three chapters, Jesus is focusing on letters and messages to seven different churches in Western Turkey. And the church number five was this one right here, the church of Sardis. And Jesus says, and, and the way Jesus always introduces himself is he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I, am, I was alive. I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. I am the living one. I am the bright morning star. He always gives himself a messianic title. And then he says, I know your deeds. Notice Jesus said, I notice the words that come out of your mouth. Or he says, I notice the public declarations that you make when you're in church. No, Jesus says, I know your deeds. I know your actions. And he says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Jesus was severely rebuking them. He was speaking the truth in love to these people because he sincerely wanted them to turn their lives back around and, and return to their first love of Jesus Christ. And so he had to speak harshly to this church. And you say, oh, Jesus is being kind of mean here. No, Jesus is actually acting in love because if those people don't repent, they're going to be lost. So he says, wake up. You, you, you think you're alive, but you're dead. No interest in living a life for God. That would be a lack of piety. That would be another sign of a fake Christian. And then this one right here, just a life marked by hypocrisy. They say one thing, they do something else. They talk about these values and then they're doing something else over here. They talk a good, you know, we used to say in the 80s, they said, the guy talks a good talk, but does he walk a good walk? You do it, every, and let, let me just say this before we go on, because everybody can find hypocrisy in everybody else. If you look close enough and examine and scrutinize anyone's life, 
no matter how godly they are, no matter how pious they are, there's always some hypocrisy. We never live up to loving God with all of our heart all the time, loving our neighbors ourselves. We never totally reach there. So what you want to do is find the people that are most consistent. And then when we do mess up, we are quick to ask forgiveness. We are quick to humble ourselves. We are quick to turn back around to the right path. Even David, King David, when he was finally caught in adultery and called out by Nathan the prophet, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. Even though he messed up, he recognized his sin and he turned away from it when he was discovered. All right, look at what James says here in chapter 10. James says, with the tongue, with the tongue. So in other words, Jesus says, whatever comes out of your mouth, that is a revelation of what's really in your heart. And Jesus says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with the tongue, we curse other human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Do you see the hypocrisy there, right? Uh, the same tongue on Sunday morning, praising our God and Father, rise up, rise up. All at once, I came alive, and we're singing praises to God along with Lauren Daigle, and we got our groove on. And the next thing you know, somebody you know, rubs us the wrong way, somebody offends us, something bothers us, and the next thing coming out, out of our mouth, we're cursing human beings who've been made in God's likeness. He says, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. James says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. And if that is a consistency in your life, of that hypocrisy of one, you know, at one moment you're doing well and the other moment you're doing terribly and you're not recognizing it and you're not humbling yourself before God. You're not even conscious of your own hypocrisy. That may be one of those signs that you're not a real believer and you need to come to Christ and to repent. Actions as much as words determine where our heart is. Right here uh, it says... Paul's saying this to the Galatians. He says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those people who do that consistently, they are the best Christ followers. You need to hang out with people like that. Jesus says this, and this is a sober warning. This is where you say Jesus has the ability, he has the right, he has the authority to speak truth in our lives, even if that truth is painful. But Jesus says this near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So he's coming down to the close. He's about ready to say, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, there's the real believer. He, they're building their house on a rock, on the rock of Christ, right? But before that, he says, and he gives a sober warning. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yikes. I mean, when you, if you take those words seriously, that should stop you in your tracks, tremble your knees, and put the fear of God in you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who confesses, no, only the one who says the right words, only the one who's received Christ for the umpteenth time at the, at the, at the invitation at the end of the service. No, he said, only the one who does the will of my Father who, who is in heaven. Those are the ones that are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he warns them plainly again. He says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. And then he says, away from me, you evil doers. Right? So when it's talking about fruit of our lives, whether we have good fruit or whether we have bad fruit, good fruit represents the actions. 
what comes out of our mouth and our words and what comes out of our bodies in what we do, right? We don't want to be guilty of that. So let's keep, let's keep it simple. Let's keep following Christ. Let's remember good, fruit, good people, true Christ followers, real Christians produce good fruit. You want to say, I have a good tree. I have my roots in Christ. And because I'm in Christ and his love is in me and I'm reading his word and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm repenting of my sin and I'm confessing it to God and I'm growing in what it means uh, to follow Christ, I'm letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly, then I am start this, this tree of me is starting to produce good fruit. And I hope it is for you. Jesus says again, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree, and wow, some more sober words from, from Christ. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So those are sober words from Christ. I hope that we take them to heart. I hope that, uh, and, and let me say this, people that are reading and watching uh, other Christians and how they act online, especially on so social media, one of the greatest indicators of, how, of real Christians versus fake Christians or real Christians versus Christians who are in error and need to repent is the tone of their language that they use when they're responding to other people online. There's a, a Christian psychologist. His name is David Zucolato. Zucolato, I was thinking about it. It sounds like Danny Zuko from, from Greece. Uh, but anyway, this guy, uh, an, a psychologist, he observed how a lot of Christians write about other Christians and their ministries or their opinions, and they write about them online, and this is what he says. He says, do Christians today badmouth one another's church programs? Do they badmouth one another's opinions? And if so, how do you think that looks? How do you think that appears to those who are not followers of Christ? What about the Christian who is struggling with his faith, right? Beth Moore, I just was reading one of her tweets this week, and, and somebody said, oh, Beth, you've got such a great influence. You're such a godly woman. I just want to be like you. I want to tweet like you on Twitter. <laughs> I want to tweet like you. That's something you didn't hear 20 years ago. And uh, anyway, uh, Beth Moore says, oh, honey, you don't want to be me on Twitter. And I think I know what she means, because for every two comments underneath bed Twitter and the Twitter feed, there's always somebody who is giving her a hard time. There's always somebody who's criticizing her. There's always somebody who's telling her that she's not acting the way Jesus wants her to act based on their version of the Christian faith. And, and this psychologist says he's seeing Christians do this all the time in each other, and he's saying, what is the collective impact of Christians dogging each other, insulting each other, tearing each other down? He says, shouldn't we be known? Jesus says, all people will know you are disciples if you love one another, not by your online negative comments and your negative posts. We've got to be careful about what we say to one another publicly, privately. Any comments that we make via email or texting 
or any social media that you do. And we've got to stop and remember to say, is this loving my neighbor as myself? If, and here's another way you can ask it. It says, if, if the person that I'm addressing online, if that person were standing right in front of me, how would I talk to them versus what I'm writing? Because <laughs> people get really bold when they think they're anonymous and really mean. We've got to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, speak truth to one another in love. That's the Jesus way. And if some of Jesus' words sound harsh here, saying, some of you call me Lord, Lord, you're not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. If these words sound harsh, it's because certain people, like that church in Sardis, he says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Some of those people need to be awakened spiritually and jolted to get their attention and realize how serious Jesus is being. Sober words from Jesus, right? So what can you do about it? How can you produce good fruit? How do you grow closer to God, right? Well, some of the ways, we talked about some of this last week. I want to reiterate a few of these points. Number one, go to God and say, God, please help me grow with a greater love for the things that you value. Help me to value what you value and help me to devalue what's not important to you, right? Ask God to show you what's important. Jesus says these words, seek first. In other words, what's priority in your life as a follower of Christ? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these other things you worry about, they'll be added to you. Give me, Jesus, a greater love for the things that you love, right? And here's another one. Start filling your mind with God's Word. Fill your mind with God's Word instead of distracting yourself with lesser things. I think somebody was talking about the devil's strategy in the last 20 years, and they said, well, is it, is it on, you know, personally persecuting physically Christians? In some parts of the world, that is true. In the Middle East, that's true. In Nigeria, for Christians, I just was reading something that says over 1,200 Christians in Nigeria have been personally killed for no other reason than being Christian in Nigeria. We're not experiencing that so much in the United States. We have a different kind of persecution. We have a different kind of opposition. But he says, fill your mind so he says, how do, we, how do we overcome this? He says, start filling your mind with God's word instead of distracting yourself with lesser things. Listen to Christian music. Listen to uh, Christian worship songs like that, Lauren Daigle, Rise Up. I mean, you want to bolster your faith. Listen to that about three times in a row. Faith comes, Jesus said this, faith, or Paul said this in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You want to grow in your faith, you've got to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God as expressed by Jesus and His Apostle. And then finally, it says, use your resources. It says, okay, so now that I'm taking in this spiritual nourishment, I'm going to produce the spiritual fruit, then use your resources for God and for His kingdom. Start sowing seeds of compassion and generosity. Because as we talked about last week, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, your heart is also. I think I've been a one-note banjo in this message, more than, I, more than I normally am, because I just want to make the point and stick it. And it, Jesus, the bottom line is this. What's a real Christian and what is a fake Christian? It depends on the fruit that is produced by your life. No tree, think about you. You are the tree in this illustration. No good tree that that is you. No good tree bears bad fruit. 
A bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So let our hearts be full of the Lord Jesus. Let, the, let our minds be filled. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the peace of Christ fill your hearts. All during the week, you know, you can hear this message for 30 minutes on a Sunday, but where the change and the transformation is going to happen is going to be this afternoon or it's going to be tomorrow morning. When you wake up and you said, well, how am I going to start my day? You're going to start it by, by spending time with God and His work. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. Right? Let's pray together. And as our heads are bowed, Lord, I, I, I just want to remind you of some words that Jesus says as we're trying to be real followers of Christ, not fake Christians. Letting the abundance of our heart come out with Christ-honoring words and speech and actions. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he, while he may be found. Call upon the Lord while he is near. Paul echoes that in Romans. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever called on the name of the Lord? You say, well, Jim, what does that even mean, calling on the name of the Lord? Well, that's a phrase that kind of is a, a combination of, of a number of different thoughts. But calling on the name of the Lord is basically saying, you are doing the ABCs of salvation. Letter A, you're admitting that you are a sinner. You're admitting, God, I have, I have violated your commands. I have not loved you with all my heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself all the time. I've broken your commands. God, I'm a sinner. That's the first step. The second set, step is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Savior, that when he died on the cross, he died for you, that when he gave his life on the cross, he was paying the penalty for your sins and he's offering you forgiveness. So you admit that you're a sinner, you believe in Christ and what he's done for you on the cross and then let her see, you commit your life to follow him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're ready to trust in Christ, pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize today that that you are the Son of God, that you are the hope and the Savior of the world, that you gave your life for me, you died for me, and so, Lord, I'm declaring that today I'm turning to you in humility. I'm turning away from my sins, and I'm saying, Lord, please forgive me. Give me a new heart. Give me a new life. Give me a new hope and a new future through you and through your resurrection, through your forgiveness. God, I, I give my life to you. You gave your life for me. So, Lord, I, I declare I'm going to commit to follow you for all the days of my life. And, Lord, I pray that promise will come true for me. Then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my life. Thank you for accepting me by faith, by trusting in what you told me to do in your word. Lord, help us all to live the kind of life of true Christians. Help the fruit that we produce, that, th that the abundance of whatever's in our heart, Lord, let it reflect your love and your grace and your truth and your forgiveness. Lord, let the world know that we are your followers by the way we love one another. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
Amen. I don't know if you prayed that prayer for the first time or not, or maybe you're just coming back to God, you're rededicating yourself to follow Christ. But like I said, if you're on Facebook, we have somebody on Facebook from our church there. Please respond and say, hey, I prayed that prayer with Jim today. Or, hey, I have a prayer request. I really need God's help in this. Or, hey, I have some resources. I, I need food. I need some other kinds of resources. Please share that with us, and we'll, we will contact you. We'll get back to you. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ and you want his resources for new believers, we've got a booklet to send to you. Please tell us. Uh, who you are, and we'll get your address, and we will get those resources into your hands right away. Right now, we're going to continue by celebrating communion.